As we jump into the message today, we're starting a new series called, Who is Jesus? Turn to the person next to you and say, Who's Jesus? Come on, you can do better than I say, Who's Jesus? Well, old Blue Joe and Clitillo, they were having some kind of problem with their son, Tibu. Man, Tibu, he just would not do his math. He did the other, other stuff okay, but he would not do me. He hated math. He wouldn't try. And Tibu kept complaining, saying, I just don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And Cleo kept telling him, you got to learn math because if you don't la- learn math, you're going to be ignorant. And ain't none of other Boudreaux people going to be ignorant. And he said, no, I just hate it. And, man, they did everything. They punished him. They whooped him. They did everything they could. They, they tried to bless him. If he do this, they'd give him that. Boy, he just wouldn't do it. He was lazy. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't try math at all. And one day the neighbor said, you know, Boudreaux, you're having problems with Tebow with that whole math thing. I tell you what you ought to do. You ought to switch schools. You ought to bring him over to that Catholic school. Man, them nuns, man, they're good, they good teachers. They probably get him interested in math. Boudreaux said, Michelle, that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to take him over there to the Catholic school. They'll fix him. And so he takes little Tebow. Monday morning, he drops him off at the Catholic school. He tells them nuns, he said, God bless you. I hope you make it work. And he leaves out. He didn't have a whole lot of hope in it, but, you know, he figured this is a last-ditch effort. Maybe God can help some kind of way. That day, man, Tibu comes home. He don't stop in the kitchen. He goes straight to his bedroom. He starts working on math problems. Boudreaux said, man, look at that. Boy, the next day, same thing. Comes straight home. He's working on math. They keep spying in on him. He's working math. Got his calculator out. Boy, he's doing math. He's just like he's in love with math. Working so hard. They're, uh, they're just amazed. Boudreaux, you, this is, Tibu, you, this is amazing. Progress report comes in. He's got straight A's in math. He's never had that ever in the history of that boy going to school. He ain't never had straight A's. Boudreaux couldn't take it anymore. He pulls him in late that night, and he said, T.B., I got to know something. He said, we tried for years to get you to learn math, try to get your interest. Nothing will work. We, eat, uh, we whooped you. We gave you things. Nothing. You wouldn't do it. He said, but all of a sudden, you know, we take you to this school, and everything changed. He said, son, what happened? He said, well, daddy, he said, you dropped me off at that school. He said, and I went in that classroom, and I sat down, and all of a sudden, I realized that they done take Jesus Christ himself, and they done crucified him on that plus sign, and if I don't get my act together, they're going to do the same thing to me. Come on, somebody. I don't know what your picture of Jesus is, <laughs> but I promise you he's not the uh, nun who's going to beat you over the head and crucify you if you, uh, if you don't do right. So today, as we jump in, we're going to do a four-part series going through Christmas on who is Jesus. We live in a generation that's really confused on who Jesus is. You probably feel like you know who he is because you're at church, and if you've been coming to church on the hill for any length of time, uh, my prayer and my desire has been that you would meet him and become best friends with him, and uh, many of you, that's transpired for you. Some of you, you've increased that relationship with him, but as we start today, we're going to jump in to the title that we have for today, part one, Jesus, who is Jesus? He is the Son of God, and we're going to start with a key scripture in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. 13 through 17. It says, And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, Well, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but from my Father in heaven. Um, as they're standing here at this moment, can, let me kind of set the scene for you, what's transpired. Jesus has brought them 30 minutes away from where he's been doing ministry with them in Galilee. He's about 30 minutes out. Now, 30 minutes for you and I is a drive, you know, to, you know, East Fort Worth or from this location or maybe, you know, West Arlington or something like that. 
30 minutes is not a big deal for us. We drive that all the time. You drive that to work. But to walk, to walk to an area that would be that far away would take you hours on end. So he's taking these boys on a field trip. And he's taking them to Caesarea Philippi. He's literally at the Mount of uh, uh, Mount Hebron, right there. He's right there at the mount, the face of it. And there's this spot where they're standing where literally the, the, the mountain is kind of concave right there, and it goes down into a, into a cave that goes down into, down into the mountain, down to the lower parts of the mountain, down into the earth. And what has happened over time is this spot has become a spot for pagan worship. In fact, it was the key spot for Baal worship, and then it turned as the Greeks came and took over the area. The Greeks saw this opening, and they brought forth what was called the god of Pan, P-A-N. And the Pan god was a god that they worshipped through sexuality. Uh, everything from sodomy to bestiality. These guys, it was worshipped through sexual interaction. And this pan god, literally, literally, as the Greeks saw it, this was an opening to the pan god's uh, kingdom, which was in the lower bowels of the earth. And literally, they called it the gates of hell. And it was the belief system of the Greeks, as well as the Romans and those who worshipped there, that, that literally the gods would come from the bowels of the earth and empower them or embody them as they would do these sexual experiences. And so this is a very pagan place. It's not like he's ever taken these boys anywhere like this before. And Jewish boys don't go to this spot. This is not the spot. This is like being in red light district. Come on, somebody. And he's standing there. And as he's standing there, and people are coming and going, and they're worshiping this false god. And the paganness is so relevant and uh, so uh, active here. And Jesus pauses the moment, and he says, hey, guys, let me ask you something. Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And so they begin well, some say you're like John the Baptist. Um, some say you're like Elijah the prophet. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a good teacher. Some say you're a miracle worker. And Jesus goes, oh, okay. So who do you say that I am? And Peter responds quickly. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response, I imagine, just even with the, the verbiage here, is one of these, whoa. Come on, all you ex-Pentecostals. He has this moment. He's like, whoa. He said, son, humanity hasn't revealed that to you. People had, man hadn't showed you that. That's from God, bro. You got an understanding that's unprecedented. We live in an era right now where people are confused about who is Jesus. In fact, uh, I've got this video footage of some guys going out in New York City and uh, just asking people who's Jesus, I, I pre-warn you, it's PG-13. Uh, but it's, it's a little enlightening and a little bit of disappointment, or at least it's revelatory. Play that video for them for just a moment. White guy with a beard? <laughs> oh my God, you are! You're Jesus Christ! He died for our sins so that we could be saved. And in my religion, it means we can up as much as we want, and as long as we are truly sorry, and then we're saved. A white guy, looks like he's from the 60s. A reason to believe and to continue on in your life and your journey. Not that blonde haired dude that they show in all those pictures. I think Jesus was just a story made up by someone. Could have been probably a, a, a real person, it's something special, but uh, not, not, not like the story says. I'm actually glad you're all here tonight. I want to tell you that one of you will betray me. Nah, <laughs> just kidding. Ah, he's doing that thing he did in his storybook. Uh, Jesus, a friend of mine from Puerto Rico. 
I don't know. I I don't know Jesus very well, so Jesus like Jesus the son of God? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Definitely not the guy who cuts my lawn. Dear Tiny and for Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. Yes, there's definitely something special about Jesus. The same things that are special about me and you and, well, everybody. Definitely good morals and beliefs, and um, possibly had some special gift. And his best pal, Peter. Oh, 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 wow. Who do you say Jesus is? <sighs> he's really important. His birthday's coming up. People believe in Jesus. He's your savior. He's number one. Everyone is giddy with anticipation for Jesus to come out because as we all know, if Jesus comes out of his house and is not scared by his shadow, it means the next thousand years will be full of peace and love. He's just really chill. I think he even smoked some pot, so I love Jesus even more. He seems like a kind of Gandhi type guy. Some superpower, I just don't know. I, I believe him, I mean him, so. <laughs> uh, he was Jewish. Look, I think he's inspiring for a lot of people, so that's really cool to me. God bless him. <laughs> a make-believe story that's got blown out of proportion. So what we have is an entire generation who's not really sure who Jesus is. In fact, I would venture to say Lots of people who go to church aren't really sure who Jesus is uh, because of uh, what they've been taught in school, because, um, because they formulated their belief systems based on the information that comes into us. For example, if I tell you every day as a child that Hispanic people are bad people, you're going to grow up hating Hispanic people because that was the information that was put into you day in and day. We formulate our belief systems, our opinions based on the information that comes to us. There's no, that's logical. That, that's not even illogical. That's, that's about as practical as you can get. And so what's happened is if you've grown up in an environment where Jesus is nothing more than a philosopher, Jesus is a good guy, he did good things, Jesus was, uh, he is one of the many ways to get to heaven. There are many good religions out there and, and Christianity is one of them, but it has its weaknesses as well, if that's kind of what you've been trained, taught, spoken into, then then coming into Christianity, you're going to even have some issues because you don't really know who Jesus is. So our goal in this series is, number one, to discover, to discover who he is. Who does the Bible say he is? Who does he say he is? And number two, so that you and I, as we discover that, so we can interact with him properly and so we can represent him properly in the world. Do you believe that? Say yes. So as we jump into this, the first piece that I want to point out to you is that he says to, he says to Peter, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter has the response of responses. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, son of God. Son of God. We're going to study him as the son of God today. He's actually called the son of God 37 times in the New Testament, that Jesus is the son of God. And so with that statement being made, that denotes a very clear principle. And I want you to write this down. If he is the son of God, what that means is he is God. It denotes that Jesus is equal with God. He is God. He's not, he's not second level. He's not third tier. He is God. I'll give you a passage of scripture about this. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. It says, in the beginning was the word. It's talking about Jesus. If you'll keep reading all the way down in book of John chapter 1, you'll make that real clear. In the beginning was the word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, what beginning? The beginning of humanity. Because God has always existed and always will exist. You say, oh, I don't know if I can grasp that. I know it's hard for us to grasp it because we are created beings. It's like you're running a 286 computer and you're trying to figure out God. The bottom line is God is God. He has never had a beginning and will never have an end. He is God because he does not operate in time and space the way you and I operate. We are finite. We have a beginning and we have an end. We have a limitation. He has no limitation for he is God. If he has limitations, then he's not God. He limits himself from his anger. He limits himself from from destruction of those who rebelled against him. But he has no limitations. He is God. It's a basic belief system. If you're going to believe in God, you have to believe in that. And so the issue that's coming up even now is you're thinking about what your professor said in your science class. You're you're holding to that philosophy book that you went through. And you got all of these things. And again, that's because that's what's been poured into you. That's why it's critical if we're going to call ourselves Christians that we actually let the influence of the living God and his holy word come into our lives so that we can make judgment calls on it and accept it as truth. And so the Bible says that in the beginning was the word. Jesus is is the word. In the beginning, he was there. Before humanity was created, before the earth was created, before the sky, the universes, before he took the stars and he cast them out all over the galaxies of the world, God was. He was. And he is in three persons as we see in scripture. We see that Jesus says, I am the son of God. And we see that God the father as Jesus is being baptized and comes out, speaks from heaven and says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. So we hear all throughout even the Old Testament that there is the Lord comes, God the father is being prayed to. And then Jesus even says, and I'll send to you the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He'll come live and abide in you. And so therefore we see that there are three personalities, three persons of the Godhead. God the father, God the son, and God the Holy Spirit. We, uh, in, 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 you know, in modern times, we use the term Trinity. That word is never mentioned in Scripture as it stands, as Trinity. We use that to explain the three persons in one. I love the great theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, who explains it like this. He says, God is like the sun. He illustrates it like this. The core of the sun, all that it's made up of, every bit of it, and everything within the core of that begins to move forward as the rays come forth. And and the core of the sun represents God the Father. The rays represent God the Son or Jesus, that which we can see, that which protrudes out from the Godhead. And then the heat coming off of those rays representing the Holy Spirit. And that's a great illustration or a great analogy that God in his fullness is three parts, but yet they're one. And that's a difficult thing to grasp if you're trying to make him in little bitty pieces or you say he doesn't exist in three pieces. It, you have a problem with Jesus then being God or the Holy Spirit being God. And so when you grasp that and you come to the revelation, like Peter said, and say, wait a minute, you are the son of God. You are God on earth. That revelation, Jesus goes, whoa, you get it. And I'm building the whole church on that revelation, son. I'm building the church. on That's what Christianity is, the revelation that I am God, that I was there in the beginning. I was there when trees began to spring up. I was spoken out. I went forth as the oceans were formulated. I was there. I called it forth as the animals were being made right there in my presence along with God the Father, me, myself, and God the Holy Spirit. And we were operating those things from the very beginning because Jesus is the Son of God. Say it with me, Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, the beauty of that whole process is that it then will cause division. That's my second point. 
Jesus being the Son of God, or Jesus being equal with God, Jesus being the second part, if you will, in a three-part head, Jesus being God causes division. And I'll show you how it happened in Scripture. They didn't kill Jesus because he did good. They killed him because he claimed to be God. Look at this passage in John chapter 10, verse 30. It says, and I and the Father are one. These are Jesus' words. I'm skipping straight down to this piece. Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. Where did the miracles come from? From who? I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. I'm not representing just myself. I'm representing the Father. The Father that you say is God. Uh, the God, the only the God who can do these miracles. I've showed you these things. He says, for which of these do you stone me? Why are you killing me for doing good? And they said, verse 33, we are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. If you keep reading, obviously they could not stone him. In fact, I picture, the Bible says he walks through the crowd. I picture they go to throw it at him and just kind of like, you know, over the hedge when he drank the coffee or whatever, that power drink, they're all frozen. And he just walks down through the middle of them. That's how I picture it. Like, dang, where'd he go? You know, and I think he just walked down through the middle of them. They freeze and they can't move. Whatever it is, they, they don't have the opportunity to stone him because he is God. And so that in itself is a dividing point because if Jesus, come on, here's the problem. If Jesus was and is God, then God came to the planet in human form and his teachings and his words are in fallible because they're God's words. And his truth then is irrefutable and it is absolute truth. Stay with me. So you say, well, I don't, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. You do and you don't. Because here's the issue. If he spoke absolute truth, then you and I must surrender ourselves to it. But we won't surrender to someone who has a philosophy because they're not God. If Jesus is just a man or if he's just a good teacher, or if he's just a nice guy, then he is not God, and I do not have to listen or obey his teachings. But if he's God, and you and I settle it, then what he says are the words of God, and I therefore need to base my life on that and that alone. Are you with me? Say yes. So when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father, I appreciate all my Muslim friends. I love them so much, but there is no other way except Jesus Christ. I appreciate all the Mormons and good deeds that they do, and I appreciate all my Hindu friends and all the many gods that they serve and all the spirituality that they try to experience. But the truth of the matter is, if Jesus was God, is God, and you and I accept that as truth, he is not a liar. He, his words are absolute. They are definitive, and there's no getting around it because God came in the flesh and dwelt amongst men so that he can make a way back to the Godhead through himself. Are you with me? Say yes. And so here is the conflict. Here's the conflict in our generation. I'll give you an example. Let me read you this little quote. We'll skip down, guys, if you can get to that quote. One of the most important books I've ever read is Eric Butworth's Discover the Power Within You. In it, he said, Jesus did not come to teach us how divine he was, but to teach that divinity was within us. Oprah Winfrey. Almost sounds good, doesn't it? Wait a minute. That, that Jesus wasn't really divine, 
but that we had divinity in us. Friend, that's not truth. As much as I love Oprah and all the great things she's done and all the good things that she's done, and I believe she's on a journey to know God, and I want her to know God, but the bottom line is Jesus is the Son of God of God. He's not a good teacher. He's not a person who came to show us a higher way. He's not a little philosopher who's on the same plane as Gandhi or somebody else. He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. He came and dwelt amongst men. My Muslim friends really struggle when I'm ministering to them if I use the term son of God. The reason why is because in their language, When it says in our Bible that God begat Jesus, or his only begotten son, the word for begot is a carnal, not in sinful, but carnal sexual term. And so the struggle then is for Muslims who are highly respective of Allah, who they believe is the same God that we serve, who many people believe that, and that's why you see this cross-pollination between Islam and Christianity, and people don't know what they believe and why they believe. Why can't we all just get along? We're all just being spiritual. We're trying to be nice, and we're all just trying to be good people. The problem with that is this, is that Jesus was God, not Muhammad. And Islam believes that they were on the same plane. They were good guys. They were both good prophets. They believe Jesus had special powers, from Allah, from God. But here's the problem with that whole concept. When we say that he is the son of God, for them, how can a God, a living God, have sexual intercourse with Mary and then the product be his illegitimate son named Jesus and we call him Lord? And this is a misunderstanding of what Jesus is and who he is. And let me clarify that for just a moment. Oprah herself said it like this. She said, for years... Up until my 20s and 30s, I thought I was the brother of Jesus. And she said, because I lived with my grandmother and she took me to church. And the preacher would say, You're a, uh, God is your father. God is your father. Father God. Father God. God is your father. And then they would say, and Jesus is the son of God. Well, if I am the daughter of God and Jesus is his son, therefore he must be my brother. And I can see how children in church... Your young person could get that uh, misunderstanding because they don't understand the deity of Christ or the verbiage that the scripture is using. So when the scripture is using that he is the son of God, he is not the sperm donated uh, result of God the father giving that to a human and then therefore he exists. In the beginning was Jesus. Before there was ever a Mary, there was a Jesus. Come on, somebody. Before there was ever humanity, Jesus was. Are you with me? So to explain what that means, the Son of God, that simply means that the ray that came from the Son, the expression from the Godhead, came and lived and dwelt amongst men. He stopped his place in all of spirituality, in all of humanity. He stopped his place in all the kingdom of God, and he came down, and he took on this man form. And the reason he did why did he do all that? I'll tell you why it's because you and i would have to be able to give complaint to the father which is what the jews did and said if i didn't have this sinful nature i didn't do this adam and eve sinned and now i have a tendency towards sin if i was like you god and i didn't have a tendency towards sin then i wouldn't be messing up and i wouldn't be rebellious and i wouldn't be all this and god said let me show you something i'm going to send myself in my son the second part of me is going to come down and live amongst you and he's going to live holy and righteous and he's not going to and he's going to show you a better way and then he's going to give you the holy spirit the holy spirit is going to lead guide correct you and empower you so that you can be like me this is what it means to be the son of God. 
and all power. He's not the illegitimate child of God the Father. He is on the same plane, and this is where the conflict's at. And so what we have is a generation that's not sure who Jesus is. And so if, you, if you're not sure who he is, and if he's not God, then his teachings are relative. And for a generation that all truth is relative, you know what that means? Relative means that, um, you know what, uh, uh, rel- relativity means that, that morality and uh, decision making and what's right and what's wrong is based on the culture of the time. And so this is the problem we find ourselves even today. This is the problem that our leadership finds itself in. I was doing a real study on our, on our president, Barack Obama, and his belief system. And I've, I've been you know, tracking it down for hours and hours and hours. And to the best as I can gather from all the different pieces is that he did. He had a Muslim grandfather, but he, did, he wasn't raised Muslim, according to him. He did. He was then, he, uh, it, uh, he, his grandmother, uh, excuse me, his mom brought him to church, but wasn't a real spiritual person, he said. And said, and then somewhere in his 20s, he started interacting with this pastor, I think in the Chicago area, where he made a confession of faith that Jesus Christ is his personal Lord and Savior. But now what has happened as he has grown in his understanding, according to him, that really all the religions of the world have good to do for humanity. All the religions of the world are, are, should, should be more inclusive instead of exclusive. And if I have any problem with Christianity, it's that it's exclusive and says they're the only right way. And all the other ways are then therefore looked down upon by Christianity. Here's the problem with that. And it, it appeals to our humanity and go, yeah, that's right. We ought to be nice to everyone. And every religion has something good from it. And it really, and there is truth in that. And I, again, I'm not, I'm not belittling that. I'm just simply communicating the truth by which I, a follower of Jesus Christ, have to understand. And that is, he is God. He sets what's right and wrong. He sets my reality. He sets my moral compass. He's, he's God. He determines what's right and wrong, not me. I can't say, well, he's God on that point, but he's not really God on this point. I like what he says about that, but really I like what Hinduism says about this. And so I'm going to formulate, which is what's happening across the planet right now. I'm going to formulate my own religion because I, want, I need to be good, just like I need to work out. I don't need to be fat and I don't need to eat, you know, those, those high carbs. I need to get healthy. I need to have some spiritual life. I need to have some good physical life. I need to be a good parent. I need to be a good hard worker. And I need to make the world a better place. And we need to start, we need to stop putting uh, plastic bottles in the ocean. And we need to save the wells. And we just need to be good because good is what's needed in the earth today. And that's really the philosophy of our generation. And so what's transpiring is then there's this conflict that we would say, no, Jesus is God in the flesh. And his truth is not, you can't argue it. He, God came and he said, live like this. And he showed us the way. And so as much as I love my Muslim friends, as much, and listen, I probably got more than most of you. My Hindu friends and all these people that I love, they're good, awesome people. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the father except through him. He is not the illegitimate child of, of some, some Greek God up in the heavens who had, had a weak moment and had sex with a human woman named Mary. And then this is, and so he had to give him a little bit of power to go through the earth and do little things because, you know, he's like Hercules and he, you know, son of the gods. That's not at all what that phrase is about. That's what's been manipulated and misunderstood. He is God in the flesh. He is the second part of the, uh, uh, of the Godhead. He was there in the beginning. He'll be there in the end. Come on, somebody. And so the whole understanding of who he is, if you'll grasp it, this is theological that we're giving you, this doctrine that we're giving you today. Not as much practical. You know, I'm really about the practice of applying the things of the God into my practical everyday life. But if you're, 
if your theology is off, if your doctrine is off, then no matter what you do, it, it'll never come back to plumb. And so you'll constantly be trying to buy your way into heaven. You'll constantly be trying to do good works. And then when you stand there with a man who does better works than you do, but yet who believes Allah is God and that Jesus was just a good prophet, you're going to have this hard conflict back and forth, especially when he says, so you believe that your God had sex with Mary and made a son and he is, uh, he's to be worshipped? And you're going to say, no, I don't believe that at all. I believe my God existed before the foundation of time. I believe he was in the beginning. And then when there was no beginning, he was already there. And that he came and took on the form of a man through humanity. He took on humanity. And then the way that happened, I'm not really sure. But I know he took on humanity. And as a result, God came and lived amongst us. And his words are absolute. And his teachings are absolute. And his nature is God. He, his, his response was God's response. And he overcame the, our sinful nature. He took it on, but it did not take him on. He came and lived in it, but it did not, take, it did not live in him. Are you with me? This is who Jesus is. He's the son of God. And when you and I get this revelation, look what happens. The same thing that happened for Peter will happen for you and me. Look what Jesus says. And this is the third little point that I want to make, and then I'll start closing out over the next 30 minutes, hour and a half. So. Just kidding. When you and I get this understanding, look what happens. Spiritual authority comes in our life. Spiritual authority. I'll read it, and then I'll explain it. And so Jesus, back to our main text, Matthew chapter 16. Down, go back to 17, and we'll read past it to 19. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but, but by my Father in heaven. Peter had the aha moment. Remember when you finally got a calculus? And you were like, I get it. Some of you still had not gotten it, right? I know, you're like, uh, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I didn't even pass that class. Peter has this I got it moment. And when that moment happens in him, look what Jesus says is going to transpire. And I'll tell you the truth, Peter. That you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He's pointing at these gates. He's pointing at this pagan worship. He's he's pointing at the multi-god concept that his generation had. He's referring to who do they say I am. Well, they think you're a good guy. They think you're this. They think you're that. And these people are worshiping all these different gods. And he's standing there in that midst, and he goes, hey, you get it, baby. I'm God. And because of that, let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to base all of the church on this revelation. This is what church is. This is what Christianity is. You're not Christian if you don't get this. This is the foundational understanding. And if you get it, look what else is going to transpire. And son, I tell you, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens. That's called spiritual authority, friend. Some of you have been having this push around by the enemy and he's been beating you down and you just got to get to church. Listen, what you need to do is get a revelation of who Jesus is. And when you get it, then you'll have an understanding. I belong to him. Wait a minute. I'm his. He said, Peter, you got a revelation, buddy, and let me tell you what's going to happen now. Let me hand you the keys. You're not going to understand. You wait till you see what this does. I'll never forget I was, I was, you know, I was running Christ for the Nations and there was this building I was trying to get in. I couldn't get in, so I called maintenance and Took them 20 minutes, they finally came up, and this guy showed up with a key ring. You ever seen those guys? Come on, any of you ever have that? Some of you, some of you ladies have that. Now, it's, it's like a secondary weapon in your purse, you know. It's like, spray, kill, spray, kill. <laughs> you know, it's like claws. <laughs> and so he pulls out his key ring, and he's got 100 keys on that thing. And he starts trying to open that door. Oh, that one don't work. 
oh, that one don't work. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, 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 don't you know what key this is? He goes, listen, you see this ring, Pastor Adam? I said, yes. He said, I got keys to every building, every 100 acres. I have keys to every room, every building. What you got? I said, well, I'm in charge. He goes, exactly, but I got the keys. I can come and go when I want. Come on, somebody. I can do what I want. And so you might be in charge, but I got authority. Come on now, because I got the keys. This is what Jesus is referring to, to unlock the broken heart. Come on, somebody. To, to literally bind that thing and say, you will not steal my grandchild. I rebuke. Get out of here in Jesus. I know who my, he's a son of God, and he is in me, and I'm in him, and we're wrapped in as one. When you get this revelation, the supernatural authority of God will be active in your life. You say, well, I don't really, you know, life is so hard and Christianity is so tough. <sighs> it's so hard to be a Christian. <laughs> exactly. Because you don't have a revelation of who he is. You haven't said the son of God is in my life and I'm in his life. We have become best friends. And as a result, the authority of heaven, the keys of heaven and earth, as it says, have been given me. <laughs> so look, it might happen for a little. He can rile his head up and spit and sputter and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm the one with the key and I lock you up. Stop. God bless you. Yell, scream. Hallelujah. It's going to come to fruition soon enough. It's, it'll play out, but I've already locked you up. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, look, I'm unloosing that. He's not gonna, my husband's not going to be that man anymore. Going to have these fits of rage. Bless God. Come on now. I just loose, I loose forgiveness and healing in his heart. I just loose, I speak that into his life. Authority of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What, that all comes from a revelation. That's what he said. He says, listen. He says, you get it. You didn't get this philosophically. Man didn't reveal this to you. It's a word from God, a revelation, an understanding, an aha moment. My God is God. He wasn't a good dude trying to go. I don't need to try to go around doing good. I just need to be like Jesus. This is the problem and the conflict that we're having now. It's because Christians don't know their God. They don't know who their Jesus is. They don't know who he was. He wasn't a good guy. And so all the religions of the world are now swirling in our leadership in all, of our, in all of our heroes that have platforms who sing songs and act in movies. And they have all these ideas. And they just want all of us to get along. And that's beautiful. And I want to get along. But the only way to get along is when you and I submit and surrender ourselves to the living God. You say, well, that's the same thing the Muslims believe. Yeah, but I'm not going to kill you if you don't submit to God. I'm not trying to shoot you. Because ultimately, you know, you're an infidel. That's between you and Jesus. I'm just trying to influence you to know the truth and to know the living God. That's the difference and our God is the living God. He said, oh, I'm not sure if I believe the testimony of the scriptures. That's a place you got to come to revelation on. And you got to get free in your own mind. I'm a believer, which means I believe the word of God. So what will happen is when you get in higher intellectual environments, they'll say, that's how foolish. <laughs> so you believe that Jesus was a real man and not some little storyline? <laughs> yes, I do. Well, who do you reference that you don't believe that? And it's always other men's writings and other men and women's works, right? Well, I trust this writing and this work because the living God inspired it and spoke it into existence. And so that's why Jesus, according to his scriptures, is the son of God. Say it to the person next to you. He is the son of God. I want you to stand with me all across the room. I want to minister to you for a couple moments.
close your eyes with me. Kind of create a moment of safety for yourself. The Lord can minister to us. This revelation is critical for your own children, men, sirs, ma'ams. We're sending them into an environment where every day they're hearing something different. Every day they turn on that television or they play those video games. They're being indoctrinated. Formulating their belief system. Once a week we try to get them to a service. And they've got 25,000 tons of information opposing the truth. That Jesus is and was God on the earth. Who is Jesus? He's not the cartoon sissy figure in the family guy. Is that one man in that video trying to interview him who Jesus was and he made that face and laughed, almost frustrated that they would waste his time to talk about God who came to earth to redeem humanity? My heart wept. I began, to, I began to weep right there as I was watching. Because I thought, he's going to stand before God. He's going to stand before the Godhead. The spotlight's going to be on him and then on Jesus. And the Godhead's then going to ask him, what did you do with Jesus? Well, I didn't really know. Everybody said this and everybody said that. Yeah, the problem is, what did you say I was? You didn't have time to even consider me. You were too important because you were a humanist. And a humanist believes that the desires, the needs, the wants of man take precedence in man's life. As a Christian, I believe that the desires, needs, wants of God take precedence in my life. And then in full panic as he realizes... That he literally turned his nose up to the living God. That he was rude and lived an entire life in rebellion. Refused to even search out truth. That he accepted what they said Jesus was. And to his horror, as he destined himself to a life separated from God. Thrown then into the lake of fire. Listen, I love you with all my heart. I love humanity. I love people. Size, shape, doesn't matter to me. All of them. God created us in his image. We've been lied to. We've been sold a bill of goods. We've cheapened Christianity to a, can we have fun when we go to church and do a, did I get a good coffee and did my kids get treated good? We've cheapened it. He's God. Jesus was God. He came to earth. Dwelt amongst us. What will we do with this understanding? We must respond. We have to respond. Peter's response, you are the Christ, son of the living God. What he's saying in that verbiage, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, I give myself wholeheartedly to you. I believe that you are God on earth and I'm yours and I'm following you. I don't want any of that junk over there and I don't, I don't care what they say. You're not a good prophet. You're more than that. You are God. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, You need to settle in your heart. You need to ask the Lord, give me a revelation. Let me understand exactly what it means that Jesus was God in human form. 
As you stand there and you just contemplate that, and you pray, you kind of interact with the Lord. Say, Lord, give me an understanding. I've, I've cheapened that. I've, I don't really get it. I, I know that sounds good in verbiage, but I don't have a revelation. Because when you have a revelation of it, it changes who you are. It causes you to live different. Because you must. Oh, You must. You can't help but take on his nature. Because you want to be like your God. As you stand here with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to speak to another group of you. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian. Maybe you thought about it in times past, but you've never really given your life to Jesus. You've never accepted him as God. You've never accepted that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But today, you're cut to the heart. You're cut. You, you, your heart beats, races on the inside of you because you know you're not in relationship with the living God. The God who created you wants to have a friendship with you and wants to show you how to live on the earth. If you find yourself in that situation, listen, I I got good news for you. He's made a way. And your response is simply to say this, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I I didn't realize that. I didn't have understanding. But today, as you have understanding, to reject that is a decision. To say, oh, I'll wait till later. That's a decision. That's a decision of rejection. Maybe you find yourself in a situation. Pastor, I used to be a Christian. I used to serve the Lord. But life has happened, you know. Went through a divorce. Uh, you know, had, my, my kid got real sick and stopped going to church. And i, I just not around any Christians anymore. Friend, let me explain something to you. He loves you. He doesn't want to be separated from you another day, another moment. Maybe you grew up in the church and you just knew Jesus is what the... Everybody told you, but you didn't know him for yourself. This is that moment to begin to start that relationship afresh or for the first time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian or you've been away from God and you're ready to come home, would you be bold enough to let me pray with you? Would you be ready right now to make that decision? Say, let's go. Come on, let's serve God together. I'd I'd beg with you. I'd plead with you that, that you would not turn away from the Lord today, but you turn to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you, say, that's me, Pastor. I'm away from God. I'm ready to come home. Or I've never been a Christian, but today... I'm making that decision. If that's you, would you boldly lift your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. just want to pray with you. God bless you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I want to be right with the Lord. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to serve him with all of my heart. Quickly put your hand up. I want to pray with you. I want to see God change your life. I want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. It's been a couple hands. All right, I see him. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Give you about five seconds. We're going to move on and close out the service. God bless you. I see that one. Thank you. You can put it to God bless you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. It's time to be right with the Lord. Amen. All right. Absolutely. Been three, four of you. Put your hands down for just a moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. You say, what do I got to do? Nothing. He did it all. You just got to accept that and come into relationship with you. And he'll start changing you. A little bit about a little bit. My first guy say, I still cuss like a sailor. My first guy say, I was still a pervert. He started working it through me. He started working it out of me. He started getting it through. I mean, listen, and, and his, what was a weakness has now become a strength. And so today I want to lead you in a prayer, connecting relationship between you and Jesus. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray it out loud with you, and I'll connect you to him. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, out loud. Jesus, I thank you for coming to the earth. For coming like a man. And here and now, I declare you are God. You are my God. I ask you to forgive me my sin, my waywardness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. Because starting today, I'm yours forever and ever.
in Jesus' name. If you keep your head bowed for just a moment, Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Lord, I pray right now they'd sense your love like they've never sensed it. Lord, they know that they're forgiven. If they walk out of here and get in a car accident, they die and they're standing before you in heaven, you're going to grab them, wrap your arms around them and say, well done. You made it. And then they'll say, but God, oh, you know, I was bad. I just barely made a decision for you. I know, but you're here in your mind. Father, I just thank you right now. They'll have that understanding right now. Lord, let the Holy Spirit just begin to bubble up inside of them. Let their hearts soften from the old bitternesses, the old addictions. May they just fall off right now, God. Lord God, may they just feel the strength of a loving relationship with the God, the God of all creation and humanity. Now, Father, I pray for the congregation as a whole. I want you, I want you right now just to stay on that line of thought with me, and I want you to ask the Lord under your breath, Lord, give me a revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name as we all are agreeing in prayer. Lord, I pray that there be a revelation that you are the Son of God, that you came as God in the flesh. And Lord God, I'm not mad with my other friends, my Muslim friends, my, my, my Hindu friends. I'm not mad at Oprah, anybody else who's still on a journey. But Lord God, you are the God of heaven and earth. Jesus, you are God who came. And I'm settling that in my heart now. Sell it for these men and women. And so there is ultimate truth because it comes from God. And you are God. There is irrefutable truth. And it's found in your word for you are God. Oh, but what about the mistranslations here and there? You are God. You can fix mistranslations. You know how to, you know how to get truth to your people. And I trust in that. And I trust in you. And so, Father, we thank you that here and now, every man and woman in this room, when they say Jesus is the Son of God, they'll know exactly what they're talking about. And literally, Lord God, it awaken a passion in their heart every time they hear, He's the Son of God. That's right. God came to earth, took on the form of a man, that I might have life and life more abundantly. And His words... His teachings are truth. They are irrefutable. And his nature, his characteristics are to be embodied of which I live every day to do. We seal these prayers and call them done in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen.